0: This episode of Neon Black is brought to you by Fender Play. Our good friends over at Fender have developed the complete learning app for guitar, bass, and even the ukulele. Within minutes, you could be playing classic hit songs from the Rolling Stones, Joan Jett, Shawn Mendes, and many, many more. I've actually been playing this. I am, I think, about five, six weeks into it. It's a lot easier than I thought it would be. I'm pretty happy with my progress, although I need to spend more time on it. And Fender Play's library features thousands of lessons that teach skills songs and riffs in just minutes it's even got a progress tracker and a supportive online community to help keep your musical momentum up all this and it's less than 10 bucks a month and there's even a free trial you see we got a free trial by doing this and now i'm a paying customer so what does that say says it works so what are you waiting for Grab your guitar, bass, or ukulele and start your free trial of Fender Play at Fender.com forward slash Neon Black.
1: Neon Black, I'm Shane Gilmore, uh, joined today by my partner in crime, Ryan Jacell, um and of course, Mr. Michael Catherwood. Uh, today we sit down and uh, briefly chop it up about whether or not Tom Hardy's going to be able to survive the disaster that is the Venom movie. Um, and then we're, we're joined by a special guest today, uh, Chris Louie, uh, writer, director, both in the music video space, uh, as well as he had a feature come out last year uh, on Netflix. Uh, really cool guy. Just basically talk about the process, the shelf life 4 directors, and everything in between. Uh, you can catch us every Tuesday and Friday. Hit us up. Uh, neon Black at controlforever.com Enjoy, neonblack Black. All right, culture guards. Yeah, in, <laughs> in the North. first case, in the first case <laughs> of of, and I don't want to I don't want to speak too lightly about this, but this is definitely the first case of the Me Too movement hitting uh, someone that definitely gets it in uh, on the rig. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, accused of some pretty heavy stuff. Um, but what's he a little, accused r- of? It's a- l- rape.
2: He's accused of straight up rape, anal rape, actually. Oh, well, then, yeah, then we can't. It doesn't matter how much you get it in
1: there. No, no, but this, we, we, when this first started, we were, we were kind of talking.
2: I don't,
1: wouldn't say making a joke, but kind of pointing out that, like, this isn't going to happen to somebody like Brad Pitt because they don't generally have to. uh,
2: That, that all goes out the window if that, if said person rapes. True. True. That's what I mean. This is kind of the first, I mean, he's definitely an outlier. You know, let's just assume for now he's, it's true. Yeah, yeah. He, um, came, he
1: came out on Twitter and uh, said, "I firmly deny the accusations being issued against me. Rape is an abominable crime that goes against everything that I I am and believe in. Uh, I refuse to feed the media spectacle created by people seeking to promote themselves at my expense. My clear conscience will thereby allow me to await, the, await with tranquility, the results of any and all investigations.
2: I wash my hands with it, man. Good um, PR. Mr. They man. asked me about Kavanaugh on on Access, and I said." Here's my take on it, and this is the only take I think anyone should ever have. Uh, if he did this, then I hope he is punished to the full extent of the law. If he didn't, I hope he's exonerated. The end. Yeah, I don't. I don't you know what I'm saying? Like, I what? What else can we? Uh, we none of us know the real truth. Well, I well, assume,
1: the full extent of the law for someone like Kavanaugh wouldn't really be prison because of this. Death no, of but it would be.
2: It would be he's no longer a Supreme Court. Yes. He will not be a Supreme Court justice, which is for a guy like him devastating.
3: My my issue with that is your your point's dead on. Yeah. But my issue with him is he definitely lied in that testimony multiple times. Yep. yep. About the things that were in his yearbook or about drinking, about about like, you know, he actually what they just came out today that he actually was uh, a legacy. Yep. And his grandfather his
2: grandfather went to Yale. And like
3: all these little things like these are all disqualifiers. For me, yeah. Uh, no, to be a judge, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to lie under your oath.
2: Well, you know it's a disqualifier for me too, and not. A, I, I, maybe people are. I just haven't noticed it, but not a lot of people are making a uh, point about this. Um, they asked, uh, and did you drink to blackout? And he said, uh, and he goes, did you? Did you ever? Have you ever had too many beers? Have you ever? Uh, did you? Um, did you? Uh, commit underage drinking at the, uh, uh, well, how about you? What What's your, haven't you ever done that? I mean, uh, you tell me, did you ever underage drink? And I thought if someone did that in his courtroom, he would have them fucking burnt by the yeah, asshole. He, and I go, he knows that you're though. a judge. You're a judge. Totally. But, but the demeanor, alone. I never ever want people deciding the fate of our country who have less composure than I do. True. Fully agree. That's what I'm saying. Well, I think
1: you, those are all. Those are all. That's 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 that. Those are all components to one side of the argument. Dude, yeah. you're being asked. For, for not just him. Obviously, for probably. The,
3: but then they bring in a prosecutor who's throwing him softballs and being interrupted every every five seconds. Like you can't sit through this this uh, hearing and have the little bit amount of composure. You're supposed to be a judge, dude.
2: Ju- the su- not a judge, a supreme, supreme judge. judge. Yes, yeah.
3: the judge. Like, yeah. what does that say? And that's a lifetime appointment. We're going to give this asshole a lifetime appointment, who's obviously lying.
2: I really and developed, has no composure. I really developed in, in glaring contrast to how I feel about Mr. Kavanaugh or Judge Kavanaugh. Um, I developed a passionate. Um, <sighs> appreciation for christine blasey ford the way she handled her this composure was stunning. she was sexually and, assaulted and, and she had a the woman, composure let us let us not forget this, this guy's this is crying woman about liking beer who did not want to come forward and when she saw that he was in the running to be a supreme court justice she felt it was her civic duty to yep. do it and she wanted to do it anonymously she never she wants nothing out of this She's Except a for doctor too.
3: at Stanford. This does not help her any way, shape, yeah. or form. Now this is going to be placed on her
2: as a stigma. Yeah.
3: Every time someone thinks about her, they're going to think about this case.
2: And Natalie Morales on Access said, "You know, and I feel bad because she gets nothing out of this." I said, "I, I correct you. She gets the." admiration of millions, yeah. you know, myself included. She's, she's looked at as uh, I think she should be and you saw, at as, a, as a hero. And you, you saw know? even,
3: uh, I think as Connie Chung came out and said that she was sexually assaulted 45 years ago by her family doctor. And just because it was that long ago, doesn't mean that it should
2: be dismissed. I never, and I want everybody to hear this as Wait, many people dis- as possible. Dismissed as in,
3: as in that, that people are being dismissive because she can't remember all the facts from right. the night. It's like, oh.
2: well, and I want people, especially dudes who go, well, why didn't you come forward immediately? Why didn't you, why did you keep this to yourself? Why, blah, 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 I lost my virginity by being raped. And I, no one was more obsessive about getting pussy than I was when I was 13 years old when this happened. No, I, there's nothing I wanted more than sex. But because of the fashion that it happened, I didn't tell anybody till I was in my 30s. And I was so the guy who would go immediately back to school and be like, "You won't guess what happened. Totally got laid. It was awesome." <laughs> but because of the circumstances, it, you're 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 just uh, saturated with shame. It, 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 I, I almost something was stolen. From almost you. instinctively, like you don't even realize it. You go, "I don't know." And I want make let the, let me be clear. I was consensual. It wasn't like some girl forcibly fucked me. Um, it's just that she was 19 and I was 13 and- uh, So it was statutory rape. rape right, right. Actual, but it was, yeah. it was rape. Um, but, and I'm not trying to say that to like put a feather in my cap. I'm only pointing this out because as someone who was a victim of something that I think a lot of women go through when they're very young, they're quote unquote consensual in that they didn't fight it off, but they didn't really want to follow through with it and they got- Uh, maybe even not to their own knowledge, they were manipulated by an older person, uh, by a much more enthusiastic partner, Um, you get this weird feeling of shame that you don't even know you have. It's just that you know it's not right. You know that what happened to you was not right. And you don't want to fucking tell anybody because you're embarrassed and you're sad and you're ashamed. And so it makes perfect sense to me that all these women would be keeping this to themselves, even more so than me because I'm a guy. I probably wouldn't have been made fun of or looked at as as a as a pariah because people probably would have patted me on the back.
1: Yeah, they would. They would. Have said, what are you complaining about?
2: Right. Yeah. So, especially at that time, it's ten times worse for women, and it makes perfect sense why they wouldn't want I, to come. I
1: forward. do think uh, w- one of the things that's definitely been been brought up to. to to my awareness since, since all this has happened is, is, is we well, keep going back to the Whitney Cummings thing is what, is what she said. Yeah. And I, I do think aspects of, you know, you think back and, well, first, if you look at it just biologically, women are not as sexually advanced as, as guys are. Mm. That, uh, that, they're that not as sexually on.
2: advanced as guys think they are.
1: Sure, sure. You know what that, I'm saying? Because you're not sexually advanced. They're you not fighting, think you're more sexually They're not fighting the same type of- move. Of, 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 no. of, they're not as horny. Yeah, Let's they're, not be on, as horny. they're just not as horny.
2: Yeah,
1: um, It doesn't mean that, you know, you look back and this doesn't mean situations. I'm sure they want to be with the guy or they want, yeah. you know, they like the guy, but it, it, it does make sense how a lot of those, those scenarios uh happen. And it, that's like one of those things. I don't know how that's
2: ever going to fix itself. It's a bummer. No. Well, the I worst think part about a- that's animal. That's not cultural. Yeah. That's not, that's just an animal thing. And, and, and- you're never going to make little girls as horny as little boys. That's no. just the, the way it is. And
3: the GOP had a very good opportunity in this situation to say, you know what? We'll choose one of the other 24 people that, There's 20 people that we thought was going to be the guy. Instead, you're basically saying that women's opinion and voice doesn't matter. And you're I, dismissing it's them a very good because point. they're going to force him through for a political agenda, not
2: because of anything else, but because they are they want this done before the midterms. Big political gaffes on both sides uh, of the partisan aisles here. Um, but I think, Ryan, you bring up a really good point all of this could have gone away if they just picked another judge. Why do they have to stand behind this guy? And and yeah, here's another they, thing: they couldn't have blocked 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 one of those picks twice.
3: I I <laughs> yeah, with no no story. They, they couldn't bring up like if 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 the what's the narrative in the right is that oh this is perpetuated by the Clintons and Soros and and the left is just trying to like kibosh this. They're not going well, to do it. Well, they, they they left are, up. Well, That's where they left fucked up. Well, where they left fucked up because they are
2: they are they, doing that what, yeah. it, now. If six months ago or however long it was when Christine Blasey Ford first came forward, if they were to come out then I agree. and actually have her well-being and justice in mind as opposed to using it as a political weapon and yeah. waiting till 13 days before. Totally leave, right. That, that was where the Dems fucked but, up. But it's both
3: sides, like both sides of the aisle aren't, Aren't playing nice. are yeah. you're, you're if using got, that's, some that's woman's politics, though. I had a. I mean, I a, it's, a, it's, I,
1: it's a smear campaign. It really is. That's I propose essentially what it is. You're it's right. Not yeah.
3: though, but it's but it, it does.
1: There's nothing about.
3: It's a smear campaign. That's in based sense, in reality. It's based, that's on based on facts. in reality. Yeah, yeah. The, most the, 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 smear
1: campaigns have facts to them. It's not made up.
3: The Democrats are using this to try to force him out, but it doesn't mean that it's any less true what she said. Right.
2: True. When they should have been using this to make her feel better and to prevent a guy from getting into Supreme Court, to pretend to pretend. Whereas now they're just using it. They're using it. They waited till the last moment to fuck.
3: And him. and the, and what's so bad about the Democrats doing that is they failed because it's pretty it's pretty much he's gonna get pushed through. So not only that they failed, and this jackass fucking frat boy loser is gonna be on the Supreme Court for the next five years. I was years. a
2: really bad kid. I was always nah. I, I was always a, a nice kid. Nah. <laughs> all kidding aside, I was always. I was never like a bully or like a mean person, but I was a bad kid. And I look at some of Brett Kavanaugh's behavior as a teenager. I'm like, what a dick! Yeah. Like seriously, like you think I was a fucking rapscallion? But
1: but go, but going back to what you're saying, Jay, So if you think, and I'm not when I say you, I'm not saying you specifically, but if 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 you think that there's not any part of politics that are not based on opportunism, you are ignorant. Because every aspect of politics, every mechanism of politics works to somebody's favor in some course. way, shape, I'm, or form. I'm not
3: denying any of that, but they're using real business, people's man. lives. And it, they always do. But in this one, this is really gross. And not to it's mention- It's all
1: gross. Not just this one. It's all gross. to be. If you're on the receiving end of it, it's, it's gross, man. I
2: uh, proposed this question on access and every woman in studio um, agreed that it would solve the problem immediately for them um what if when this all came forward you know two weeks three weeks ago brett Kavanaugh goes apologize brett Kavanaugh goes she's right and i've done a lot of other stuff when i was a kid that i'm really ashamed of i'll never forgive myself i really hope you guys can forgive me i'm a changed man now i've worked on myself really hard i've devoted my life to to justice and i hope people can see that but when i was when i was a young man i i was i made a lot of mistakes yeah, that's not the Trump but way, it's, though. But it's but all... You're, what right, right. What you're if, absolutely right. But what if? I mean, can you imagine how different things would be today?
1: But you understand it's all... And I'm pretty sure he was probably advised to do that as well. There's, do you think? It, yeah. No, I he think wasn't. He, I think... Uh, no,
3: this is all a part on, of the man, way Come on, man, that's PR
1: 101, because you're exactly right. And he does not take a, it, does, it does not take a seasoned, uh, uh, you know, behind the, someone that's behind the scenes in politics to understand that most of the country would have sided with you if right. that happened. Come no. on, the guy was in high school. You know, I mean? don't think so. But, not in the Me Too era, and yeah. not with Al Franken being outed for Al Franken. That happened though when he was an adult.
2: Yeah, sexual
3: assault is not the same, dude. It's it, it's he's a done deal. And in the era of Trump, when you get rewarded for not telling the truth, as long as you deny, deny, deny. deny, deny. deny.
2: No, I I agree with Jaso. Don't you think that it, from the the highest powers in the country, don't you think the the, the ideas came down the. The ideology was going to be look no fucking deny,
3: dude. He opened From, his he opened I mean, his statement by saying this is a smear campaign by the Clintons in the far left, bro. You're a judge. That's already a bad start. Yeah. Well, Apparently, it doesn't
1: matter. Let's move up the rape category. Okay. Uh, our boy Tom Hardy is about to have an interesting weekend. He sure is for a lo- for a lot of reasons. Uh, Venom is about to come out a, a a superhero movie that doesn't look that great. It's not being re- uh, critically so interesting. The, well. looks but, So interesting enough. Yes, the, the, as soon as the embargo was lifted on, on the uh, reviews, bet it was the, the internet was flooded with bad reviews. So th- they've come to find that a lot of these bad reviews, uh, what do they call Lady Gaga fans? Like what's the equivalent of the beehive? Monsters? It's, it's called the, the monsters. monsters. Yeah, yeah, the monsters. That there's been uh, a ton of anti-Venom sentiment from- uh, The Gaga groups. Have been uh, trying to sway audiences because *The Star Is Born* is about to open this weekend, which is Gaga media, Gaga Prime. Um, you think Tom Hardy's going to survive *Venom*?
3: Yeah, you do. Come on, that's yeah. not, that's that's a that's a well. No-brainer. If you really look at it, universally recognize recognizes one of it,
1: the best male actors in the world. True. Well, I, to, to say that when I say survive, I should I should I should explain that. I don't mean that the guy will not never be able to work again, but he's one of the biggest stars in the world. Uh, I no, know. no, he's this not. Could easily, he's, he's not. He's derailing. one of
2: the most respected A-list actors. He's not. A he's D-star. an A-list actor though. He's you're not. Right, my right. dad probably doesn't know who yeah, Tom Hardy. Say, is. Really,
3: the interesting thing about this is because we're all really into film. Is this is gonna. It probably dims his light a little bit in our eyes, like oh, that movie was whack, but it's gonna open hims brand up to a huge brand new audience. And I only think it's just gonna pull people that are into that like Venom. Cause you know, young kids. Oh, and it's, gonna gonna like it's gonna
1: make money. It's gonna make money, but it looks money. it looks terrible. It looks terrible. But if you look I mean, there's there's even like if you if you really look I'm at I'm still gonna see it because it's like, Tom Hardy though. Tell you that. I would watch it because he's in it. I don't know that I'm not go watching see it. It looks pretty bad. I'm not watching this. Movie.
3: I'm not going to see it in the theater, but I'm watching it. <laughs>
1: Um, well, cool. Uh, stick around. We're, we sit down with uh, director uh, Chris Louie, chop it up a little bit on. All things film. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting cat. He's worked with Major Laser and just done a film for Netflix and just a creative dude. And a nice fella. Very nice fella. Him and, do you think him and Kerry Fukunaga ever got in a fight for, for that look? No. Both just two really good looking. They're no, both too half, nice. Half white, half no, half Asian guys with yeah. that look great with
2: ponytails. If, if Mario Lopez and I don't ever get in a fight, I mean they're not getting. <laughs> a fight. That needs to happen. Can we set that up? <laughs> it <laughs> have to be. It have to be. MMA. It have to be MMA because if it was just boxing, he'd whoop my. ass. Oh, does he box? <laughs> He's very good. He's okay. very good. It would yeah. have to be if it was Mario Muay Thai, Lopez, I could, dude. I'll head kick the Sometimes. shit out of him. I'll <laughs> fucking everybody leg gets, kick him.
1: Everybody just gets the gets the good stuff. God fucking Mario Lopez. He grinds. He's at, he grinds. I
2: mean, he works hard. He's yeah. a very good boxer. Who Is had AC Slater player? having the best
1: career out of Save by the Bell? True. True got Mark Paul Gossler's had an okay career. Uh, and he's yeah. a good actor. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. I agree. He's a legitimately still.
2: good actor. Listen, but AC Slater la- landed himself a dime piece job that afforded him the ability to build this life. And he's got his foundations. He golfs all the time. He boxes when he wants. And, he, and it's one of those jobs like, that's the great thing about my industry. I could do what I do, if I if yeah if I stay sharp, I could be Regis. Yeah, I can do I can ride this till I'm 90 if I fucking want to. Um, Mario yeah. Lopez the same way. Mario Lopez can host that show till he's fucking 75 years old if he wants to. Totally. You know?
1: All right. Well, yeah. Stick around, Chris Louis. So you did, uh, what is it, two years ne- ago
4: now that it came out, XOXL? Yeah, yeah. So you Holy did a film shit. Two film years. for Netflix. Uh huh.
1: Big big release. They put a they put a lot behind that.
4: Yeah, it uh, was it was at the time it was the well best received, most viewed indie. But that was you know two years ago. So I'm, so, that's I'm surprised their numbers have jumped since. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I remember people saying, like, hearing of family friends in the Midwest or whatever watching it on a school bus. Oh, man, that was fun, and it's I still a- get messages today on Instagram from kids being like, "Oh, that movie changed my life," which is so cool because any other platform that you—if re- I done an indie movie and released in theaters or some festival thing, nobody would be talking about it. Well, it's gone. gone right? It's gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's
1: always an interesting. Simple every time point. we have uh, we have a director on this, it's always like the interesting question. If you had the decision, uh, if you had the decision of say getting a. Uh, a five, $5 million dollar budget film green lit uh, with with uh, let's say uh, m- middling distribution. At least you're guaranteed X amount. Let's say you know I don't know what that number would be uh, theater wise. Or would you do would you do a show for Netflix? And it's always a different answer. A show?
4: You mean TV show? Yeah. Or a movie? Would
1: you do? A, well, it could be. A, I mean, in your case, you did a movie. Um, but it's always it's always a different answer because in some cases it's the the risk and the uh, kind of it's there's still the awe and I think with young filmmakers especially uh, like under under twenty seven, movie theaters don't hold the same type of no man not weight. at all
4: fucking movies like movies have have like a fraction of the cultural impact that they did when all of us correct. were kids but yeah, there's so,
1: still something like immortal about it though
4: I mean I think. I think that might be, you know, twenty twenty hindsight. Looking at, at our experience of it, like I, I think the cultural impact that they have now is just going to continue to dwindle yeah. because we were a captive audience. We were forced to sit in a theater watching this giant screen without, you know, email, phone, all these other distractions. So now that competition, is it's. It's everywhere, you know. Yeah. Like mm. our our attention is spread between so many different media, so that's why I think series thrive because you can email and do the shit and watch like a you know forty hour long series. But and I get also that emotional it's impact. a
2: great litmus test too. Um, I found you know a quality enough project will deter me from looking at my phone or absolutely. I think,
3: but I think the. The interesting point to all of this is we're all everyone here is in their mid thirties, right? Or late I'm in thir- my late thirties. Okay, but. late. Well, you <laughs> can you can for the sake of the conversation, yes, we'll, call we'll, it round we'll round <laughs> we'll down. Round, we'll round down for you. I think film, like you said, means something very different to yeah, than to what our kids collectively. Yeah. what it will mean to them because the cultural significance is just it's not as much anymore. Which is the same way we were talking about previously in the pod where. I don't know if there's gonna be more superstars. Is there gonna be another Tom Hanks or Leonardo yeah.
2: Capri? Media was? in general will will be different because Because it's um, watered
3: down in general. Like the kids look up to YouTube stars and right.
2: Well, that's that was my next point. Is you know, there there used to be just like making a film that gets released in a theater still carries a special cachet. Being on television, especially network television, carries a special kind of cachet, even if you know fill-in-the-blank YouTube series gets more views or this you know, Pie is getting 10 million more views than you do. Yeah. But once there's you still open, a draw to, but that won't be for long. You what know? you're talking about though, is like
4: gatekeepers and quality control. Yeah. The gatekeepers are losing control. And once that opens, it never closes again.
1: Yeah. I do think there is something though that, lo- and I think Netflix is a great example and you can talk to whatever extent you choose to want to talk about this. Cause obviously you're a working director and have a working relationship with them. Uh, but i think netflix is also turned into this uh to this y- you also kind of see the downside of not having gatekeepers yeah, in checks and balances yeah. especially with quality feature, control, read with ar- films our uh, like
4: the headline was netflix the walmart of video
1: yeah yeah
2: i wouldn't go that far with th- it. Well, like because they're qual- they they choose to work with really talented people uh there's no gatekeepers but it, it goes it crosses all lines of media the same in my business um it's great that anyone can just start a show now and make a podcast. It's great. Yeah. It's it's fantastic from from yeah, a creative out output. You know, anybody who wants to do anything can do anything now. Um, maybe it's one percent of podcasts would be made into radio. Would make it in right. the world of radio? No, literally not, probably less than that. Right? Maybe yeah, maybe less. less. And that's you're talking about. Like uh, you tens think Joe Rogan would make it in
1: radio? Probably not.
2: No, he would. You but so? uh, oh, that as far as the qual as far as making it through the quality of the gatekeepers. Um, oh, I like I said, saying. I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously there's the drawbacks creatively because the gatekeepers aren't necessarily the most creative people oftentimes. Correct. But there's a quality control in, in that you know if you were to make radio shows out of like successful big market radio shows out of podcasts, you'd have. Joe Rogan and Mark Maron and Corolla who comes from radio. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? True. It's a very, very narrow world. And um, the same goes with like, a lot of times I I watch these internet TV shows and I go, yeah, it's great that this kid who normally would not have a chance to really make this project. And I'm so happy he has this outlet and is following through on something. You know, it's, it's so beautiful, that idea. Um, NBC would not show this. No. Uh, you know Fox would not show this. You, you, know?
3: you know what it is, though, I think that's kind of taken away the, the mystique and the, the prestige of film and TV is the barrier of entry is so low now. Yeah. People are making movies on iPhones, yeah. and you can, you can make stuff. I mean, we make all of our content on a $2,000 Yeah, it's camera. exactly
2: like um, athletic performance. The best of the best now has never been better. True. Okay, the the fastest yeah, fast true. man is faster than ever. Uh, there was a fact. The highest jumper is higher jumps higher than the best basketball player is better than any basketball player ever. I mean, they would destroy. Yeah. But the average fella is way slower, fatter, and jumps way lower than the average fella in 1965.
4: Yeah, but there's and, a very clear metric for measuring like athletic feats, creativity.
2: It's subjective. You can't say
4: right? that the same. Like you, you can't it's, say it's Rihanna a, is significantly better. No, 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 than no. no, no. But
2: but um, but in media, let's say like they take, take skate videos. There's a million more skate videos, and the best street skaters now crush. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Crush. Totally. I know. But pretty crazy. The average skate park you see on YouTube. Pales in comparison to the average skate part you would see in a in a in a video that actually got produced and put out. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yes, the the uh, the creme de la creme has risen higher, but the bulk of it is now the the because of the entry point being so low, um, the bulk is now. Um, I thought about the with because I watch skate videos sometimes on YouTube,
4: mm-hmm. and I thought like when I started skating, we all it was a linear progression like. First, learn how to ollie. Then mm-hmm. you shove it. Then you kick flip. Then mm-hmm. you heel flip. Like are kids just hopping on and going straight to three sixty flip now. Like, because yeah, they're so significant. It's an evolution.
1: Better. I mean, and it's the same thing in surfing—the the way that 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 people can.
2: Once uh, you so, once someone shows you you could do something, yes. everyone can do it.
1: But that's so a five that's, minute mile
3: correct. rule. But I think that's why his that's, that's exactly what it is exactly. I think that's why your correlation works with athleticism because they always talk about it in, in NFL. Dick Buckus would get destroyed. I think in today's game, like right. the guys from the 70s would not be able to play in the NBA today. They would they would be bench players. The best players in the 60s and 70s would not they'd be pale in comparison. Be D league guys. Yeah, they wouldn't even they wouldn't even make the league. They'd probably be like maybe Wilt. Yeah, but for the most part. It's just a way that things progress, right? It's kind of like the.
1: It's the same thing as tech. It's technology, essentially.
3: Yeah, and 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 to your point, like if you can see all that stuff on the internet and you can learn, I mean, you can learn how to do anything on the internet yeah, now right. too, which is crazy. Which is why you could technically go straight into a three sixty flip versus learning how to ollie artistically. Some guy can teach you hope. Yeah.
2: yeah, hope is so huge artistically because if you have hope that you can do something, um, you can do it. And watching someone do something gives everyone hope that yeah, they can do right. it. I watch guys play guitar and I go, That is far outside of my skill set. But I have hope because I'm watching a guy's fingers do it. I'm watching it right now. Yeah. And he's giving a tutorial on it and I can oh. break it down, you know, and and it gives me hope that it maybe not next month, maybe not next year, but someday somehow I can do that. You know,
3: our, our sponsor on this show, Fender Play. Uh, you can learn how to play guitar with an app that Fender has
4: now. Well, like I like this organic plug. Dang, that's ten bucks. Very <laughs> impressive. Nine ninety nine yeah. a month, He's and you go can go. actually learn how to play guitar. And hey, am uh, I getting a cut of this ad right now? <laughs> <clears throat> hey, I'll send you a check in the mail.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but go, but Nef- Going back to the Netflix thing, I think it's so interesting. Also, is
2: also oh, on- I
4: got a g- interesting anecdote. So. With making that film, sorry to cut you off. No worries.
2: But just That's what we speaks do speaks to so everything you know. here. Do it often, yeah.
4: Um, <laughs> when I was doing the film, you know, we spent a year. Netflix was so generous. Like, there's we had to wrangle festivals. We shot at hard. We shot at two insomniac parties, two hard's, and one insomniac party.
3: Not controlled so, though. I'm still pretty bitter about it. I'm just kidding.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and it, obviously, you know, shooting in a live environment like that with narrative film and like actors is. A, Super challenging. Very so dangerous. we finish that, and then we go into post. Uh, we mix we mix the movie in, like, 11.1 sound, color the movie on, like, this fucking 40-foot screen in this amazing color place. And then the movie releases, and I'm going through Twitter, and, like, I see pictures of kids being, like, watching XOXO, and there's, like, a photo of them, of, of their laptop with headphones, you know, on the bed. I'm like, oh, okay, all this work, for for, for mm-hmm. that, for viewing yeah. in this small screen and listening to, And like I'm fine. As long as people watch it, I don't give a totally. shit. But I just realized like all that work is for nothing when like the the our experience of that medium is totally changing.
3: Well what makes it even worse is we've talked about it at length on the show, is something ridiculous, like sixty five or seventy percent of people that watch video on on Facebook or YouTube don't even watch it with the sound on. They're reading the <laughs> subtitles. That's, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Which is that's crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. Because like, we were, uh-huh. we were vi- we, in the beginning, I mean, we were videoing this podcast, and we were <laughs> apparently only like 15% of people that watch Joe Rogan's million views or half a million views per episode are even watching it with the sound on. They're just watching it with subtitles. It's and another 30% weird. are
2: getting it a month later. Or
3: I'm sorry, not, they're, they're they're listening to it in their headphones. They're not watching. No watching it. watching. Yeah, yeah. So they're wasting. Same here. They're not, I have the not, podcast. They're not watching the video. Version. The
2: videos have hell of fucking views, though. Yeah, he they do. But he's, the he's not. They're just. They're just. It. It's yeah, in right. the background, a lot of it's like, and 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 stuff. they're happening a month after. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, they a, a certain piece of a conversation will get isolated, and then a month later, you're searching for like,
4: yeah, right, that whole thing. For instance, yeah. this
2: weekend, how many? three-month-old conversations about Conor McGregor are being rewatched. watched yeah. now True, because right. yeah. people are just, it happens to be in, in the, the, the
1: limelight hose, again. you know? Yeah, yeah. I do it's think it's one, one thing, I, I, as somebody that uh, really loves film, has always really loved film and paid close attention to, uh, to, to certain people's careers, some that have made it and some that haven't. Um, also, one of the, one of the interesting, uh, we talked about the gatekeeper thing, but then on the flip side is one of the things that we've kind of seen too is uh, sometimes budgets aren't always good. For, like some of these directors work, so, uh, I, I don't want to say directors specifically, but creativity works better on some of these lower budget scales. Mm-hmm. I'll, use the war, paradox, I'll use War Machine as an example. The right? paradox like, of choice is yeah. real. <laughs> yeah, the like, paradox if, of choice is real. If you watch, if you watch Dave Michaud's uh, early, like if you watch Animal, Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, or, Kingdom or or The Rover, like they're amazing, yeah. amazing films, and I'm sure like The Rover is probably made for like five million bucks or something. Yeah,
4: my claim to fame that was soon after EXO released. Oh, it was my claim to fame was that my trailer has more views than Brad Pitt movie, The War Machine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they
1: go and they put they put really you know, I didn't know that above they put like anywhere from sixty to hundred million dollars in yeah. that film, and it was really easy to see like. That never would have happened at a studio yeah. like that.
3: Well, not to mention the war scene in that movie looked like they went to a paintball park.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> just like,
2: where, where did that go? The greatest, and then, greatest example of that's John Carpenter, right? I mean, John Carpenter oh, was making, yeah, John yeah. Carpenter is making genius in 1978, yeah. making that's, Assault on Precinct 13 and and the you know they live even, but then you give him studio money and then he starts making. Uh, escape from LA. Yeah, you know? but he would blame that on the studio, not on the budgets. I, I even though I, I kind of agree with you. I'm just saying that the, what you, what he was capable of with making his own music and making Halloween. You know what I'm saying? When he was making still Halloween, best, and this is
1: still the best scores.
2: This, this was a guy who was working off of having meager resources, and you make the most of it. It forces you to be creative. I'll never forget. Uh, Trent Reznor was on Kevin and Bean. This is you know ten years ago. Um, he put out the album with a. The capital G. What's it? Uh, it was just the, a trailer album. Uh, no, it was N Nine Channels. Oh, it was uh, copy of a copy was on that. Um, you know, so we're yeah. talking two thousand seven, eight, yeah. something. And he came in and, he, and um, he said that when he has writer's block, he just writes with the black keys on a piano or just one string on a guitar. He'll say, "I'm gonna I, I instead of opening up my options, I limit them." And it always helps me. That's what home.
4: somebody told me. These kids, Mako, have you heard of them? They're like, yeah. So, they told, yeah. They worked with Avicii and they said when they collaborated with him, he didn't know how to play piano. So he just used the black keys to write all his music. It's
2: awesome. That's crazy. And it, look, I mean, even so if it's going to go somewhere, even if something is dorky as um, uh, 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 style, um, you get rid of half your closet. It turns out you, people start commenting on your clothing more. You know, it's like yeah. that paradox of choice where you're, you, you, you really parry it down. Um, you know, Michelangelo said that the David always existed. It's just, he parried away the clay that, that would expose it. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. not working, working with art. is not adding on. It's, it's, it's taking away to expose what's there. But then on the flip side, you have, you have directors
1: that, uh. Have only thrived with the bigger the 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 you know like look at Fincher Fincher's never really missed in in yeah. each film. I don't seems think to get that guy bigger. ever really
4: suffered though. You, well, you he look came at in at like in the golden era. His, he his did only his did. Only, but but he, at he suffered
1: Alien, with Alien Three. 3. Alien 3. Yeah, yeah. Alien was, Three. I mean, he won't even talk about it. And I'm sure, granted, we're talking suffer for that. He probably still got paid you know a couple million to make that film <laughs> yeah. on a thirty million dollar budget. <laughs> right. But, right. right. But back it in was, like the
4: five hundred thousand yeah. dollars low budget music videos.
1: Exactly. But. You look at the way that that guy's progressed, and he's not the only one. But it's just so interesting. He's a weirdo, to see, though. Which, yeah, yeah, you're right. He is. He's absolutely. Yeah, is. he's
2: he's doing even with the five hundred, you know, the two hundred fifty million budget. He's doing six hundred takes. For but, for a scene of of a guy saying three words of dialogue, yeah, you know? but you can do that when you shoot digital now. Like he,
1: and that's what he did. My like it point being,
2: though, is, is he's not someone who gets sloppy with with excess.
1: No, he, He's uh-huh. he's he's kind of Aspergery yeah. in that regard. But also, yeah. too, you could argue with his career if you look at if you break down his career from like uh, even Alien Three, which I think is a, is is a is a if you, especially if you're a Fincher fan, it's a fun watch. But if you, if you go Alien Three all the way to. Uh, um, I guess Fight Club, and then he kind of has, he kind of has, uh, 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 what's the, what's the one, the Zodiac, which is one of my favorite Fincher films, very but, underrated, but film. kind of doesn't really fit within the, the, like the first group of films he made, and then when you get to Social Network and now where he really kind of hits his, his stride both commercially and artistically, uh, like everything comes
2: together for him stylistically, yeah. in those movies, and that's he's. 18 years into his yeah, career. Yeah, but what is he doing? You know, you're looking at a guy who what does he do with that excess uh, extra budget? It's not like he's putting it into CGI and stuff. He's putting it into getting better actors. Well, he is putting he it into CGI. Yeah, does a lot of CGI. Yeah. But, yeah. but my point it's not like he's making Marvel movies where you know what I'm saying like the, yeah. the progression of Fincher with the progression of his budgets has just gone into it's, it's more, more artistic. Yeah. It's, it's more- gone into artistic endeavor as opposed to it doesn't seem like the, he's the spending, wow factor
3: spending the budget because he has the budget. Yeah. It, his films never feel no, like No, there's just like famous
1: stories about him coming in and quoting movies at like <clears throat> fifty-seven million dollars to make, and they're like, Yeah, you need to make it for 40. And he's like, No, it costs fifty-seven million dollars to make. Not sixty-five, not ninety, dollars I can't yeah. remember. He's done that with like three big movies where he's coming later.
2: Uh it's like payback. Mel Gibson's like, you. I uh, I just want $260,000. I don't want a million. I don't want it $1 less. I just want my
1: $260,000. I was tripping out though when I saw the amount of CGI. I never realized the amount of CGI that Fincher uses. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Like for, it's practical, for practical shots. Yeah, especially with, uh, like when that video came out for Zodiac with yeah. what he did with San Francisco. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. Like that, that, And that's really the way CGI should be used,
4: right? You see to that where video don't notice with like, his center framing yeah. always tracking for that, that serial killer show? That being part of the Mind. visual oh, yeah, language, my yeah.
2: yeah, CGI should be used for that and jizz shots. This is my only two. <laughs> Just like when everyone can have Peter. North. Are ropes. you watching
1: the deuce? There's a lot of hard dicks in the deuce. You would love, love really? Yeah. I thought
4: that's illegal. A lot
1: a I'm pretty dick. sure a lot of them are soft fake. Dick. I think a lot of them are fake. I
2: love the deuce. The deuce is great, though. Uh, for for one reason, for many reasons, but one <laughs> reason say. for many reasons, but for one reason more than others, I I love it. Is that just like mad men, it gives people a ability to realize there's no such thing as the good old days. People every generation get more conscientious. They get more yeah. considerate yeah. of Definitely. other people's feelings. Definitely. And, and it's like people have this idea of this notion of traditional moral values. Oh, fuck and it's like that. no, it's always oh, worse. It's fucked fucked always getting better. It's always, always. worse. Yeah. Humans we have this amazing ability to, as we evolve, we get better and better at understanding each other and appreciating each other. Well, even, I mean, the, even in the media likes to paint it the opposite. But really, as we grow, we get better at appreciating well, each I other.
3: told him this before. I was like, even though Times Square looks like the most dangerous place on earth and super sketchy, I still want to go hang out in Times Square in the 70s. Yeah, yes like and that no, that show though. makes me Yes want and to no, go. though.
2: I mean, I remember going to New York City as a little kid, and this is the mid-80s. This isn't even the 70s. And my... Dad wouldn't let my mom and I leave the hotel room, you know, after after sundown. You, that that's not okay in the greatest city in the world. You it know was, what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't until Giuliani cleaned it up in the '90s, anyway, right? You, you got to understand. Like, it, it, it's so funny to me. Like, Brooklyn is this haven of like art and culture. Yeah, Brooklyn. Not that long it, it, that when biggie. I lived in New York in the, in 2000, 2001. Well, I heard there even it was, like. Horrible, horrible. There's areas like in the Bronx that are getting gentrified right now. Bronx is being gentrified. The Bronx is crazy. The only place on earth that'll never be gentrified is Staten Island. Somehow it just never, it always escapes people being like, you know what we could do. Even Harlem is like But Staten Island's like like a
1: strong middle class, like white middle class. junk. It's junk, but it's very middle. Like if you look at like the median income, Staten Island has like the worst heroin problem in the United States.
3: They're actually considering... Giving it to Jersey, I think. So.
2: <laughs> That's when you know things are bad.
3: Like you guys can have this. So, we're, we're
2: considering the same thing with parts of the valley, even though it's yeah, 5, right, miles away. It so we're giving it to New Jersey. <laughs> uh, so
1: XOXO was your first feature. You, yeah, you worked uh, a lot in the in the music space as well, which actually lent itself to XOXO. But uh, talk a little about that because I mean, music video is always a fun one that we bring up on the show. Uh, uh, our other co-host who's not here, Sub Weber, does does a ton of work in that space. Um, it's we recently, especially, been talking about how the music video has been making a big
4: comeback. Really? Well, That's there's news just to me.
1: not 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 in the sense well, of hip hops helping. Yeah, hip hops definitely helping with the
4: low with like the lyrical lemonade guys. Well, it's just no, the it's, budgets
1: are are not the same. Well, oh, though, you
4: mean, real real videos. Well, not no, like no, the just in general SoundCloud rapper videos. Yeah, so there, I mean, look, at, there's well, look before at, for when when the
3: music industry kind of bottomed out in you know mid two thousands two thousand eight that that range. There was no money being made, but now there's substantial amounts of money being made via streaming, Yeah. and people are investing in their art again. And you're seeing hmm. the labels investing into artists again, and labels are actually doing A&R, and, well, and the artists it. that wow. care are willing to spend on a music video. Were you again? talking well, about look at
4: average this. budgets? Well,
3: I mean oh. nothing. It's never going to go back to it's million not be dollar Spike budgets. Jones yeah.
2: making Fat Boy Slim videos. But you although
3: know? Spike Jones did make that last content yeah, there's video, still, that was there's cheap, still a few
2: videos that that that
1: that get in the hundred thousand dollar ranges. Uh, oh. but not that much. But look at this is America. But there I mean, look, like, at, look at the cultural effect that, that that video had. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time a video
3: I, before played that, like that? Humble was like, the only that was the one yeah. probably before right. that. I yeah, would
1: like, even like, argue that. Yeah, and this is America was probably from a from a
3: visual standpoint, Gangnam Style. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's huge. <laughs> I did have over a billion views. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't argue with.
4: the K-pop. Well, I, I started doing videos um, I in 2007 or 2008. We entered. I graduated college, and we entered a contest for Modest Mouse, and it was like a green screen contest where they posted a bunch of their footage online and asked anybody to make a video. Nice. And my uh, old directing partner, he's still my directing partner, but I direct alone now. Too. He was my professor at UCLA and I was interning for him and I was like, hey, why don't we enter this contest? Let's make a robot suit. And we entered and won the contest. And then somebody was like, a production company was like, hey, you guys are good. Let's start repping you. And then we started doing it from there. And this was... Post MP3, like right as the the ship was sinking, like the first treatments I remember. That like, oh, I'm sorry, guys, this is low budget. It's only a hundred grand, <laughs> and then it just kept going down, down, down. By the time, and then we rose because we were able to accomplish videos for twenty to thirty five thousand dollars. But that was my film school. I went to school for sociology and linguistics, and that was. Because of the budgets being that low, in order for me to make enough money, I had to, We had to edit, VFX, not not shoot, but basically do everything, and then that enabled me to continue to you know figure out ways to undercut other, people who were operating at a higher
2: level. Where did you go to school? UCLA. Oh, nice. And uh what Small year did you graduate? School. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you, how is it vary from artist to artist uh, as far as how involved they are in the visual? Production of yeah, their music, def- definitely. Yeah,
4: like I worked with Cuddy once, and Cuddy was super, super hands on. I mean, like I, I was in that. the studio with him, and he's all, he's like standing over my shoulder, "Let's cut there, look, cut there, no, no, cut that out."
2: <laughs> yeah. And wow. I think
4: it, it it shows. Like I'm not proud of that video; it sucks. Um, Which song was that? Mm, it was a song called "Teleport to Me." Hmm. would rather nobody go on see the second it. It album, sucks. I think, right it was on his Wizard album oh, when God. he tried to like do thing with Dot Dot the Genius.
1: Yeah.
4: Hmm. So that one that was it could have been good, but yeah, it just him and I didn't creatively jive.
1: A lot of guys don't creatively jive with Cuddy. He's,
4: yeah, he's an interesting dude. From what I've heard, after yeah, he's an interesting uh, dude. We worked a lot with Death Cab. Death Cab couldn't be any fucking cooler. They're basically like, hey, this is kind of what we want. Let's see, you know, show it to us when you're done.
2: See, I see that as being to me that. There's a higher appreciation artistically doing that than being, because you did your job. You made the song, you made the music. Um, It's open to interpretation. Right. Imagine if a painter went in and actually sat over the shoulder of the frame maker and it was like, no, 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 that's not what you do. You paint and then you go and you choose an already produced frame that you say, oh, that's the one that I think highlight. You know what I'm saying? Like you you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't, be nitpicking at the guy as he's making the frame. We know?
3: always say, like with the creative agency that we, I was telling you about earlier, is there's two ways that work, and anywhere in between never works. It's either yeah, you have a vision yeah, and you tell us what it is, and we'll execute that yeah. vision for you, and no problem, then we'll bring it back, and you're good with that. Or hands off, you are no idea what you want. Yeah. Like you just said with Death Cab, you tell us. Run and make it look cool, and we'll make it look cool. Whenever there's that middle ground where they're like, I kind of want to be in there. I kind actually don't change this. Make make
4: this. It never works. That's like the dichotomy of music video is they're both a a a sales tool, marketing tool for the for the, the music and the artist, and then they're also this like amazing open creative platform for a filmmaker.
2: I I saw that in animation. You know, working on. Animated show is that you have an idea of how you want the animation to look, but you're not the person actually drawing it, you know, and it and I very quickly saw not from myself but from other people involved, the ones that were nitpicking on over people's shoulders, it really got I mean, it really got under people's skin.
0: Yeah, you know, and it
2: affected the work. Think it affected about that. as opposed to collaborating, where you someone would give something back, you'd be like, I like it is there any way we can shave down the heads a little bit? They look a little elongated to me, just the way I want envisioned it. You know, that, that I don't know. Animation is the most interesting example because
3: animation, everyone has an idea of what they think the show would look like or yeah. whatever it would look like in their head. And it's never going to look like that. Yeah, yeah totally. By
2: Unless desi- you're drawing it yourself. Yeah. By design, I- same with music though. You, you you always have this idea of how a song's going to sound in your head before you even play a, a note. Before you even write a lyric, you have this whole. I've envisioned ideas in my head fully formed, and then you try to like translate that, and it it always gets tweaked. Sometimes for the better, but it gets tweaked. Creative Um, process is fucking crazy. Yeah, I feel like
3: that's that's eventually the next step in evolution. Technology is like you can just think of things, and then the computer draws it for you. (laughs) Well,
4: that's what that's. So after I did the movie, I had this kind of like. I, not identity crisis, but you know, whatever, mid-career life crisis of being like the movies that my agency was offering me at that time or putting me up for were of absolutely no interest, even though they were like direct kind of next go-to's after a film like mine.
1: Well, like just like coming of
4: age. Yeah, exactly. Music, in multiple yeah. different kind of settings. And yeah, they were a step higher. There were some you know studio movies like micro-studio. But the only thing that kind of motivated that whole process of getting a movie, shooting it on our original budget was 1.1. 1. 1, they gave us a, a deal memo for $1 million. We got it up to 1.2. So like that on any, and that's like why I was saying my film school of learning how to do everything was so integral to me kind of being able to extend my careers. Because on that film, I was able to say like, Oh, we don't have enough money. All right, I'll do it. I was in an edit bay, like editing that movie, doing temp VFX, sound mixing, everything for my, by myself for about two months. And then Netflix sent some guy over and he's like, this is fucking crazy. We need to give him more money. And they did. But like, if I was the type of director who's like, oh, I'm just going to stand back and <laughs> let other people do things, it wouldn't have gotten pushed that far. But anyways, what I was saying is, um, after I did that, it was such a labor of love and it was only passion and creativity that was motivating it. At the end, I was like, there was no ROI, you know, like other than me kind of like getting the juices and trying to get like that fire in me for another story. And since I didn't have it, I was like, I don't want to do a fucking movie again. I don't want to do music videos for sure. I don't want to do commercials. So I had to kind of like figure out, okay, what's like an evolution where I can take this skill set that I've built and make it so it's not only applicable to me, but like I can help empower other people or whatever, like build something with it. So I started thinking of this idea of, like, taking creativity and almost systemizing it, finding, like, a way, like, can I take what I've done, like, say I look at my most successful music video or whatever whatever I did with my movie or whatever project, look at, like, the things that worked and the things that didn't, all right? Those things that work now get into a list. Can I take this list and then apply it to another music video or commercial or whatever? So sorry, I don't have a great answer. I figured it out.
2: <laughs> I was Google AI and I
4: are integrated. No. The meaning of life, right if now. If
2: you had, if you had figured it out, you'd stop creating. You know, it's got you've got to live in that in it's, that it's, world. I, I, of, I agree. I, but, that vague world, you know? but
4: like what I don't agree with as like a model for my life is like that type of reinventing the wheel each time going right. to a music video and being like all right we're starting from a blank slate and we have to build up a crew we have to build up all this stuff for something that goes online and then disappears like that that to me i think for a kid who's in their 20s and like aspiring filmmaker it's a great way to learn as like a mid 30s adult with a family that's not a sustainable career not at least not one that i'm interested in
1: do you think that i mean you talk about like your style is very is very do it yourself in, in, in that respect and it's the way you came up do you think for most filmmakers these days and obviously you have to know how to do everything these days there's no one that's just a director Definitely, anymore, it's not the way yeah. it works
4: that's but, why all these influencers are, are succeeding so much because yes. they're so fucking savvy um,
1: Predators. but do you also yeah. think though too like to, to get it's one thing to break in but then it's another thing to grow like we talked about and say if you want to stay in the feature in the feature medium uh, at, at what point it, do you think that that, that that do-it-yourself kind of concept gets in the way of... Because at some point, the, a production get just too big for that. Yeah. You know?
4: Um, well, in the end, I didn't do everything on my own. I just... That ability empowered me to kind of move the ball further down the court. Ultimately, I worked with a, a visual effects. An amazing sound studio, amazing color. It's great-looking Thank yeah. you.
2: It becomes by any means necessary, right? It's like, that's what you had to do at that time. Yes, exactly. Until, yeah.
4: And I would have I would have finished the film all by myself had I, if I had to. And, you know, I, it's just empowering yourself with the tools enables you to be more creative.
1: Do you, like when you were coming up, it's so interesting because I think there was this concept. How old are you? 36. Yeah, so we're all essentially the same age. There was this concept of like being this this uh, kind of making go, going into these to to really be a director to be like having these Fitzcarraldo experiences, right? And going in and and pulling a a, a steamboat up a mountain mm-hmm. to get a shot, yeah. or yeah. or the 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 Terrence Malick experiences of like waiting all day for yeah. one shot, and then you know, or the or the or the Michael Mann of, of, you know, doing 150 takes of one thing. Um, at what point in your career does that, A, make sense to you as far as, like, how you want to work, or and you start applying what you're learning directly, or at what point does your perception of what it takes to make a film take over, if that if that makes sense?
4: I'm kind of not understanding.
1: So essentially... I think before, like n- nowadays, we know how to do everything right. Everything's yeah. visible. We're just talking about like finding out how much CGI David Fincher actually uses yeah, in his films. Right. There's these videos around and stuff like that. But I think growing up, like as somebody who aspired to be a filmmaker at one point in his in his his life, uh, you kind of there was like very there were there were buckets of the certain types of directors and and how you how these directors did these types of movies. And as you learn to make this stuff, mm-hmm. at what point does your uh, do your, do your expectations kind of get pushed to the back and you start applying what you actually know? Do you know, do, do you know what I'm saying? Expectations meaning what? Expectations of what you think, uh-huh. the type of director you need to be uh-huh. to make it. Because I'm sure that there were certain directors that very much influenced your style, right? Uh-huh. And, or, or, or certain directors that you wanted that type of a career. I would imagine. Um, where did you hit a point to where it was like, wow, it's not really like this?
4: Oh, after I made the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, when I finished the movie. And, like, so in film I school, did, you
1: still had the concept of like, this is the way oh, it yeah, is? Oh, yeah, it was
4: like, I'm going to do a fucking movie no matter fucking what. Like, I am going to make a movie if I have to die doing it. And that's like the mentality that takes because it's such a massive collaborative effort that you have to convince all these. I, it's, like, it's like a fucking startup, you know? It's yeah. building a zero-budget startup with like, you know, no money convincing everybody on pure passion to, even though people are getting paid, at least with the budget that I was working at. Mm-hmm. and then it's a it's a fucking startup with that never goes public, never like you never see any of the return on it. You just have the the kind of creative fulfillment of people messaging you on Instagram being like, that was fucking awesome. It changed my life. And unfortunately, I realized that's not enough for me. Like that's great. And like, if I went to do another movie and that happened again and I made more money, that still wouldn't be enough. So for me, I think it was the idea of achieving it was this driving force of like, and being a filmmaker and creative control and all that stuff was all tied into that. Not based on anybody's own other career, but just more based on like how I know I like to operate. Um, and then when I got it, it was like, okay, this this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, so yeah, the reality came after the movie was
1: released. That's interesting, that far down the road. I would have expected the, the answer to be somewhere in film school, but film school still has that. Well, I
4: didn't go to film school. I learned through music That's videos. True. And so that was, that was an awesome process, you know, because I'd do it, I'd realize what worked, what didn't, and we'd do it again on another one.
2: It's getting back to that point about how you have to live in that vague world. You, you know, if you ever feel kind of satisfied um, That's when it when it ends. Yeah, for sure. If it's almost essential that you got to the point where you finish the film, and then you're like, "Well, this isn't cutting it." Yeah, (laughs) I need I need to keep going. You know, because it's scary though,
4: because like I built up my entire career assuming like once I get to this point, I'm I'm going to be able to coast to a certain extent, as to where I'm going to have landed at the top of a plateau, and I'll like kind of see the other one. And I got there, and I was like, "Oh, I don't fucking see anything from here." I think that
1: happens, especially. I think that that happens. In, in the film medium a lot though as far as if you look in like the history of like some of the greatest directors as far as like Coppola is a perfect example right like he probably like he made his best movies and there wasn't really anywhere for him to go while making those those same type of movies so everything that he's come out with since don't really make a lot of sense yeah
4: um, that's why he has a wine business. So he
1: has a wine business, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's made three of the ten greatest American films ever. So yeah. it's like, cool, man. Dude, he you loves do you his wine to too. He loves. He does it. he does love his his wine?
3: I think that's with anything though, and the way that we've moved as a society is, you don't really become a master of one thing anymore. You yeah. kind of need to diver-
1: diversify. Yeah, even actors, actors, yeah. musicians, yep.
3: all of them have different
4: side hustles. Multi-hyphenates.
1: But still, even acting is so much different, I think, than, than, um, than, than filmmaking. Because you're still you're inhabiting someone else's, unless you, unless you write the script or whatever, but you're still <laughs> inhabiting somebody else's story or idea, right? Yeah. And then it's just like on to the next one. Where I was like, that's your film. Mm-hmm. This is these are the characters that you've created, and, yeah. And this is the this is the perimeter of my idea, yeah. Uh, I would imagine that that'll be a lot harder to once that's finished.
4: Yeah, yeah. It, it's well, definitely after my movie, I felt like I was dropped off a cliff because I went from like, you know, bossing around like, you know, anywhere from like twenty to a hundred people every day to sitting at home with my wife yelling at me. <laughs> you know, so uh, we all been there. Yeah. It was uh, some more than than others. It's, I think, like (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's, it's like with making a film. I don't know. It's the endeavor of doing it that's really fascinating and really uh, intoxicating. It's the creative expression of it, and then I think more importantly, it's also our cultural training of being kids. In movie theaters, watching it, being yeah. like, oh, I want to be like that. that, that influenced me so much. And I think that's totally changed, and that's another reason why I don't want to do another movie. It's because, ultimately, I want to make things that people see and that changes their lives or affects them in some way in the way movies did me. And I don't think movies is that platform anymore.
1: You don't think that, that movies still do that, just maybe? I don't think so. Really?
4: I mean, like, I'm saying that from my perspective. Yeah. I can't sit down and watch a movie anymore. Like really? it I don't have the emotional like bandwidth to really invest unless that first act is like fucking fire and like in the first five minutes I've already moved to page twenty and I know that inciting incident and in every step forward. That and that formula is TV now because they don't have to resolve everything in the first episode. So they can do that setup super quick. And then get you hooked and then build out character after they've hooked you.
1: Yeah, but TV is also hitting a words, spot, like exactly what you're talking about with TV and like what defined, say, the formative shows of of this generation TV, like Sopranos or The Wire or any of keeping up with the credit. Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> but that type of character development and stuff like that, what I notice now is there's a lot of shows that that check those boxes and, and maybe, and I, I watch them like, man, maybe like eight years ago, this would have been an amazing TV show. And now it's just kind of, now now this has turned into the formula a
2: little bit one. which one Castle Rock how's that it falls off a cliff it's good <laughs> but it, it like Shane said I mean if I watched that in 2003 I'd be like you, yeah. that's, that's goddamn life changing yeah, but you yeah. know it's in, in a, a wash in a world of, of like really sharp narrative It great acting
1: great production and yeah but something's that, that's missing? a good that's a good example
2: but something's missing that's what you feel I mean, something's missing you know, it just doesn't have that that urgency that yeah. uh, other show, you know, that the, yeah, as you pointed out, it can sustain you for 10 episodes. Yeah. There's something about uh, a piece of art that can catch you in the first 20 minutes of episode one, but then keep you for, yeah. for 10 episodes. But
4: that's, that's how the Ozarks was for me. Yep. I was like, this is fucking amazing. And then in the back of my head, I'm like, this isn't Breaking Bad though. No. But. I hope it's going to be. So yeah, kept Ozark going to is the next. an
1: interesting one because we've talked about. It's like Ozark is like it's it's not a very original show. Yeah, but it's rad. Yeah, it's right. like but it's then, really good. But
2: then the, it's weird because then there's like the Madmen's that don't catch you at all. No, and then the like the Deuce is a great know, example. For four episodes, you're kind of like, oh, Madmen's Madmen. You could
1: almost say that whole entire first season is like kind of drags, and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh wow! But yet it's riveting.
3: Mad Men the most interesting thing about Mad Men is you know how when you overhype a show and you tell someone you got to watch Game of Thrones and then you're like, oh, I might ruin it for you or Breaking Bad." I was like, "Don't tell me how great it is." Mad Men's probably the hardest case of that because if you do overhype it to someone, you're t- exactly right. You can totally get turned off. I've had I've like hyped it up to people where they've watched the whole season and they're like, "I don't get it." Oh, like, wow. <laughs> "Why are you saying Damn. this is the greatest thing on the planet?"
1: I don't think Mad Men I think Mad Men works so much better uh being able to binge it. I can't imagine watching that first because se- I, I caught onto it late. I can't imagine I waiting each week for that for that first season. I After did. the first season, I it, did. it goes... I, I always watch really? it every Sunday night. I was yeah. one of those people. I'm like, I don't get why people are hyping the show up. He smokes cigarettes. Like, the costumes <laughs> <He> are cool. <laughs> he touches girls' <laughs> asses. Like, yeah, like the costumes are cool and like, he cheats whatever. a lot. <laughs> he cheats a lot. Exactly. But there's like nothing to this. Um, yeah. But then also too, like I still it still trips me out that like when people have not seen The Wire, they're like, oh, it just, it's just not for me. I haven't it's like, seen that. Have it. Yeah. See. Like that, I haven't that, seen Mad Men either. You haven't seen Mad Men either. Mm-hmm. Wow.
4: I know. There's I haven't seen Game of Thrones either. I think the biggest Game problem Game of Thrones
1: is it's okay that you haven't seen that.
3: But the biggest problem with all of it is exactly what happened with music was when there stopped being, you know, hard CDs or vinyl or you know even tapes. Tangible, tangible tangible experiences tangible yeah. experiences something you have to go by. there's no tangible value to a stream. So I think yeah. we the way we digest film, whether it's a yeah. Netflix series or whatever, we just don't. It's disposable. It doesn't. It's just disposable content, and we don't care about it. Yeah. when it's like doesn't have that cultural impact. Exactly. You don't. Well, you so, not have to go to the store and buy the do Blu-ray. Do you think that's why
2: horror has come back so big? Because there's yeah. still there's still value in going to see a horror movie. Yeah, in yeah. The theater. Yes. Like you're still it like a vis- there's something thing. about going to a group with a group yeah. of people and going and getting in the dark on a big screen. Absolutely, and that's you can make them for cheap. And that and
3: and 3D and the fact that the movie theaters are moving into a direction where you can actually get real food and it's an experience and you get to actually enjoy that experience. Like I can tell you the three movies I
2: saw in the theater in the last five years. I'll tell you though, one thing that's really upped its game, I think, and I don't know if it's directly due to streaming and the way the media has changed or if it's just part of the deal, just part of culture, is kids entertainment. Kids' entertainment, kids' stuff in the last ten years has gotten so good, like, so like good. Cartoon TV shows, uh, non, non non animated uh, kid stuff, TV uh, movies. You I, every yeah. couple yeah. months a movie comes out that I go. That was
4: that Netflix movie shockingly was shockingly good. good. That yeah. One that
1: all the boys I loved. Oh, to all the boys! I didn't watch it, it as a kid. It's cute. To all the boys, like, I like it wasn't. I it wasn't mind blowing, but
2: it was yeah. really, really good acting. I see, really I see well movies shot. that are like mine You know, I, you know, Coco's.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it. Pixar, you know, doesn't, Pixar doesn't count. Everything yeah. they make is amazing. But even
2: but even it's always been that way. But
3: even Ferdinand was was watchable. It was yeah. An yeah. interesting. Is that was Pixar. I don't think it's Pixar. It's DreamWorks. I, I think, think it's yeah. DreamWorks. But I mean, that Moana, movie, you know, like Moana. All those are great to yeah. watch. Where if my kids like, I want to watch this, I'm not. Bummed. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, oh, and cool. listen.
2: Yeah, like, like, on the like, flip, there's like 90s that show Shushy by where I'm like, oh my god, who 90s and 80s stuff even the ones that are considered great. Like I do not want to watch Aladdin with my daughter. Yeah, It's, but Aladdin, it's not entertaining. But it's Aladdin, not enjoyable. It doesn't have a great take home message. It's just really great for kids. And my daughter loves it. And I'm not going to take, I'm not going to not let her watch it because she like, but I'm not going to not let her watch um, Little Mermaid and all these things. But in comparison to the stuff, the way that they've upped their game, um, it's, it's crazy. Same with cartoons. The cartoons we watch as kids fucking suck. We love them because we grew up on them. But That's if you go a, walk, you watch like GI Joe. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck? There's like no narrative. Yeah. It's all over the place. It doesn't make any sense. There's yeah. no like central theme. Do, did do you, remember, guys, did do you, do you guys? GI Joe is like the same ending every single time? That's what I'm
4: talking do about. Did you guys yeah. see the toys we love? Or the toys. Oh, yeah. yeah. That
1: was That's great.
4: That was fucking crazy to see our Especially whole children. The, the G.I. Joe yeah. and the
1: Star Wars one was crazy for me because I had a lot of both of those.
4: I felt I felt like really nostalgic and like, and really mask, nostalgic, think, and like oh but at the same time I felt fucked. Like, man, these guys were just like, what trash can we sell to these dumb little kids <laughs> and entertain them, get their parents to fork over
2: all this money for this junk? Music got better.
4: Yeah. True.
2: The music industry going down the tubes made music better.
4: Yeah, definitely. Made it more
2: accessible.
3: It did. Well, it made it harder to force feed for labels to
2: manufacture bands. You know what the comparison is? Instagram and hot chicks. Here's what I mean by that. It used to be that in order to visually consume a hot chick, you had to see what the fashion industry and magazines and de- television studios wanted to present to you as a hot chick. Now with Instagram, no, I go find exactly what I want. And society realized, like, oh my gosh, size zero women that are six feet tall. No guy uh, likes. No straight man likes that. There's something that. for everybody. is and, what and is what it's, you know, fat asses and and you know, thick girls has become in invo- because you've taken away the kind of the the the. the the purveyor of hot chick yeah. the same thing goes with music it used to be like alternative rock well this is exactly what you know M- mgm or excuse me rca and 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 three other companies and k rock tells you is alternative rock dude now we, it's like no this is exactly what i want we this talked is, you know, we,
3: we talked about it on last week's show but brock hampton has the number one album in the country right now you know how many radio spins they've had in the lifetime of the band Fifteen hundred. Yeah, I was
2: gonna say a thousand. Fifteen hundred. Who's, who's
3: num- Brockhampton. Exactly. They have the number one album on Billboard right now. What and kind they of music? Fifteen hundred. It's dope. It's like it's like a it's conglomerate of fifteen guys. It's hip hop meets punk meets Ooh, metal. It's that awesome. sounds dope. It's boy band. It's, it's a boy band it, it, though. That's, Fuck no, it's not, it's boy, not boy band. A boy band. It's manufactured no, no. They, like they, that. They, yeah.
1: they sing certain songs that like that are they're geared
2: for pop sound. But it's cool. They also managers
4: like a part of the group.
1: They're also they're.
2: Their name as a group sounds like they should be doing my taxes.
4: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a country. I it over it's to Brockhampton
2: to do my. It's really cool. <laughs> it's Yacht you'll, Rock, you'll, yeah. you should check it out. Well, it's, I,
4: it's the coolest cool. thing was two years ago online. I'll never forget. I was on. I was scrolling some kids' animation like Instagram, and I see a picture of XXX and I'm like, wait, that kid's pretty cool looking. Mm-hmm. And then I just fell into the whole SoundCloud rapper thing. That was really fucking cool. That reminded me. You want to talk about me.
1: WWF, that stuff, the SoundCloud stuff is is crazy. Yeah. Because a lot of that stuff, it, it's hard. You can't really argue musical sensibilities on that stuff. Like, the, the normal metrics don't apply because these kids have huge followings. Yeah. And some of them are extremely talented. It's, it's, it's Some it's, of them aren't. Some of them aren't. Yeah. yeah. But- they the like you talked you talked about the look, like XXXNTASIN yeah. is the perfect example of yeah. like that look. And you're just Same like you're Pump. drawn to him. And and the Pump outside Yachty even has like the outside the ring, the outside the ring antics. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. And yeah. it's like yeah. this rapper is not like this guy, he's well, I, this, and he's from this and it turns into this so whole so much
4: that listening to it I could be like I could hear fucking sublime and metal and hip hop and like all these emo oh, You'll
1: love Brockhampton then. Yeah. They, okay. you'll, you'll love you'll the, love it. The
4: SoundCloud
3: Rap movement, as much shit as it gets, reminds me a lot of punk in the yeah, in the 90s definitely. because it was it's all DIY, but it's also stuff that you have to find. Yeah.
4: Punk you know in what the mean? early yeah. 80s. Yeah, Yeah, early, yeah, yeah but you had so. to go
3: find it. And yep. it was like uh, all the it's kids fun. that are into it feel attached to it because they found yeah. it organically. Yeah. They weren't exactly. told about it via K rock
2: or right, right. well, no, that it's so funny. I was looking at like we had these taste quote unquote tastemakers on on Access. And I was looking at them, and I was thinking, like, dude, tastemakers for me were upperclassmen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there was no st- Instagram. Was so I had to go, like, well, that guy's cool, and he likes that band. Let me check him out. You know, like, this, the guys at school that, like, were smoking weed in the East parking lot, like, oh, they, oh, oh, they listen to Fugazi? I better check it out. You know, that was honestly the only way, because- mainstream media wasn't really going to push these bands, but I knew that it was cool because of my tastemakers. You know? Well, you and even though they're, now con- all they're of kind it, of Now, a- it's
3: majority of it is the counterculture. Yeah. Even yeah. Now, the majority of the kids that listen to music want to find the next thing organically. Yeah. They don't care what the radio or TV says because it doesn't speak to them the same yeah, way. Yeah,
4: definitely. That's what I, the interesting correlation. So like after my movie- my movie is all about like or it's an ensemble but at the center is a DJ who gets discovered online and you know has the night of his life at the biggest festival. And that's like a rags to riches, you know, normal story. But what was so interesting was seeing that baton passed to the hip hop kids with the SoundCloud rap thing. Only totally different, like EDM. Oh, that, you did, know,
1: they did that one with like the with Kyle, right? Yeah, they made like basically right. a hip hop version movie. of the Yeah,
4: yeah. My friend Jake and my DP shot that movie too. Yeah. So it's basically Netflix is like, we need the same thing
1: for hip hop. Yeah. yeah.
4: Uh, but the that was so interesting. It, like you know EDM, you've been into it. I don't know if you guys been, have for as long as no, we have. No, not like him. But. It was this underground thing for a long time, and then twenty. What was so weird though about when this resurgence came? Like, it all started. I feel with that Tomorrowland video in twenty twelve. Like, do you know which one I'm talking about? Uh, the one the from, Tomorrowland recap video
3: from Boom from Belgium, the yeah. Belgian one. Yeah,
4: yeah. Like that that thing EDM just fucking exploded in like 2011. But it wasn't this underground, oh, I'm finding out about this. It, was, it felt like it was jammed down your throat by corporations and labels.
3: I, in 2010, I don't think so much corporations and labels are throwing it down your throat. It was so underground still, even though it was mainstream in a way, if that makes sense, because... Mainstream media and because I mean, I'm managed guys in it, and like mainstream media didn't want to cover it, didn't understand how to cover it. Even Paul Tillette is like wasn't a fan of it, even though at one point it consumed 70% of the billings on Coachella, I think, and yeah, you know, like 2011, 2012. But it was just another rave on the circuit essentially for those kids.
2: It was still had performance wise, it's so different. Well and yeah, it just yeah, it sounds good live. Period. It sounds good live and and, I, and artistically I like it. I, I love that you can create something from nothing. I love that you can make digital artwork. Yeah, You know like you, that 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 fascinates me to no end. But there's something there's something missing if you are someone who's raised. Now if you're a kid it doesn't matter cuz this is all you know. But if you were raised watching people perform instrument with instruments, watching them create music that you heard on an album, recreate it live in front of you, there's something missing. Seeing a couple dudes behind turntables, you know, with it with a laptop, you know there, what I'm saying?
3: There is for you, but for that generation, that's right. all it they matter. know. It's, doesn't matter. Does, that's, so this that's, is the same generation yeah. that values someone who makes a YouTube video on their
2: camera on their computer as it's just like, the look, same value as I tried a to give my daughter I tried to give my daughter a craft single the other day. She's like what the fuck is this, <laughs> this is gross.
4: Good for her. Because, yeah, because
2: she's been eating <laughs> truffled brie since she was a kid. You there, know what dude. I'm saying? She's I gave her shit that most kids would find disgusting because I I gave it to her since she was a she had no choice. And so I, I, I it kind of blew my mind because I, I consider myself a foodie but at the same time I love in English oh,
1: you know god, what I'm saying like just... I,
2: lo- I grubbed that because I ate them as a little kid and that's what I knew that was what string I
1: string cheese even is disgusting yeah fuck. god just should not you're, it's be, like plastic you're a fucking communist
4: yeah, yeah <laughs> <know>. all right <laughs> but we we Jaso and I grew up in like the same era and we were really into hardcore and punk and it was all about the shows with seeing live stuff and then that transition to electronic music i guess cuz it happened for me it happened like freshman or, or yeah. sophomore year so young but you're that missing there was a no big, you're missing a
2: big middle ground there a little middle piece and that was the emo movement yeah it was f- fucking huge huge so if, yeah. you're, if you were mainstream. if you were 17 if you're 17 18 in 2003 <sighs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I used to, I, I went to see Dashboard maybe like a year ago. He, he play, They played like a, a reunion show at the Echo. And it was kind of crazy to see three, four hundred people sing every word to every song. In their thirties, probably. From beginning to end. And they're grown, you know, they probably got a kid at home. And I'm talking every word. To sing it back as loud as the performers on stage. And that that to me said, oh my God, this means a lot more than just like, hey, I like that. Was album. that the you know, yeah. emo night right. party? Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, that, that thing's nuts, dude. There's, there's like, an emo uh, night. There's
2: a night called Emo Night in where? LA, and it's at
3: a an Decoplex hey, and it moves around. 10
2: it's, years ago, there was the, you know, the glam rock bands. Yeah, they did these festivals yeah. where, you know, at the time, if you're 40, that was what you yeah. Yeah. Now you know, uh 15 years ago, excuse me, they did that 15, 20 years ago, and they still do it. But now ten years ago you started to see like the Sugar Land Festival and it was like Eve six, sugar ray. <laughs> That's clear. And it's like if you're forty at that point, you're going to see because that was a
4: we're fucking old farts, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: Uh,
1: Well, cool. We got to wrap it up. Uh, What are you you working on then? If you're not making features, and you're Um, not making music videos.
4: Well, the one thing that I'm doing that's hopefully going to happen soon is I realized that narrative wasn't necessarily my thing. So I'm going to do a doc next. Nice. And um, I'm going to do a doc series Funny enough, that focuses on creativity. Nice. And hmm. we're going to profile artists from all over the world, different genres, kind of explore their creative process and visually bring it to life, like through recreations, and then pair their stories with interviews with academics. Hmm. So, like, you know, like Sam Harris or somebody, you would pair like Cardi B talking about you know, songs coming to earn a dream and Sam Harris being like, actually, you know, dream cycles, whatever, rest certain areas of the brain so we access other areas. So you have this, like, kind of dichotomy or this contradiction of, you know, pure instinct, like, creativity versus, like, the science that can explain it. That's really cool. That's rad. Yeah, I was supposed to do it last year with Russell Simmons, and then Me Too happened. Yeah, Yeah. that
1: that did happen. (laughs)
2: Well, cool, Chris. Thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks Thanks. for having me. I was supposed to make a film with uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, turned out really. Yeah, went down the tubes. Yeah, I'm not going to make the joke that I
1: was about to make, but anyways, I'm supposed (laughs) to do a show (laughs) with Matt Lauer. (laughs) Yeah, cool, guys. All right, thanks, thanks, man. Yeah, i